Hi, folks. This podcast is recorded in a house with animals and apparently an Amazon device that can't figure out what I'm talking about. So expect animal-related interruptions. The other thing to mention at this point in time is that we swear a lot. We do. And as such, we have to mark this explicit because all the podcast distributors are prudes. Damn straight. There you go. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 132. Good lord. We are 18 episodes away from the annual uh, review with me. So we'll wait, see. Wait, wait, how... does this mean it's been going on for three years? It, it, we are, we are approaching the third anniversary. Yeah, three years. Holy crap. I know. I know, I know, I know. This is just a little lark. You started like six months ago, isn't it? No. I, I, wow. I mean. Linear time, man. Yeah. Well, how many little, little larks did you start that are still going? Well, I mean, one's going to be released on February 11th. There you go. You've got a new book coming out. That was your big thing this week, wasn't it? Yes. I uh, formatted, finished, got all the copy edits, <laughs> formatted the ebook, which at the end of the day, it's just a grim micromanagement task of sitting down in. I use a program called Vellum for uh, it's Mac only. Oh, and uh, but it's a very good e formatter, e publisher, mm -hmm. and I sit there and sort out. You know, I I am literally going like granularly, sort of. Fuck, now I'm using granularly. Granularly <laughs> is a fucking buzzword, and I resent it. It's like proactive, only stupider. Um, I okay. have to go down and. Uh, go through the manuscript and it breaks it into chapters based on where I put like extra like blank lines. Oh God. So I started the book, which is 108,000 words with literally 88 chapters. And oh. I have to go through and combine things into chapters, make sure each chapter is, you know, falls somewhere in a reasonable length, and some are longer and some are shorter, but it, it's making chapters on, like, you know, 200 words or 4,000 words. It doesn't know. It's just <sighs> wherever it... So a human has to go and look at it and, and break it apart, and that really does take hours. I mean, there's no getting around it. Yeah. And I gotta put in all the fiddly front matter that says, you know, this is fiddly made by front me, matter. and... Then it's like, you want to put in a dedication? Okay, I guess I'll dedicate another book to Kevin. Yay! And then, uh, do you want the, the bit that says, also buy? Yeah, I should definitely have all the lists of books I've written, so if people like it, they can buy others. And then you look up, and it's been six hours, and you've <laughs> been fiddling with can, things. Can you take the also buy and, like... Put it in a file so you can just copy-paste next time? I copied it off of uh, Swordheart, I think. No, then, Swordheart, I didn't get the file. I copied it off of Wonder Engine. Oh, uh, okay. But the problem was that I've written like three or four books <laughs> since Wonder Engine. So I'm like, okay, Swordheart, Twisted Ones, Minor Mage. i got to make sure those are all in. Uh, um, gotta, Summer and Orcus. I think think that was in there okay i don't remember anymore <laughs> look i write a lot of books you do 
And I mean, fortunately, some of them don't increase that much. I just have like, because, you know, this is the T. Kingfisher name. I can just say Azur's Laverna and Dragon Breath series. Right. And that covers the whole right. thing. But it's, uh, it's just fiddly, time consuming work. And even with, you know, a lot of it saved, I uh, like the about the author. I use the same one I've used forever. Uh, it's just fiddly micromanaging pokey work and I can't, it's not even something I can farm out because like someone else could easily copy and paste my also (laughs) buy, but uh, where the chapter breaks are going to go is like a thing the author has to do. It kind of is. I put out, uh, uh, I sent minor mage over to Argyle when they were doing it and they were like, we need chapter breaks. We're, we're, and I'm like, you can just put them wherever. Like, no, we're not comfortable <laughs> just deciding arbitrarily where your chapters go. I'm like, okay, you know, that is totally legit. That's, that's okay. Yeah. And yep. so, yeah. So right. there was that. And then I had a big day today. I wrote over 2,000 words. Oh, my. Not on a project that needed to get done. This is actually on the sequel to the book coming out. The book coming out is called Paladin's Grace. If mm-hmm. you're a Patreon sponsor, you get it free. Otherwise, you can pre-order it now. It'll come out February 11th. Uh, but yes, the I've been working on the sequel. And yes, I am still working on the sequel to Sword Heart. But for some reason, this one just, you know, grabbed me by the throat. And I was like, yay, I have a great idea. Let me run with this for 2,000 words, which is awesome, except that I still need to write 20,000 words by mid-March on this other book that people have already (laughs) paid me money for, you know, big publisher people. And so, yeah, this is... uh, This is sort of a common problem for you, though, right? Yes, and basically what I've learned is that if I am excited about a project... Uh, just go with it because I can make up time on other projects, but excitement is a rare commodity. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I I don't know if I have anything to compare that to for this past week. Uh, there was a, a thing that was clawing at me and not working right, and today I sat down with one of the uh, engineers who maintains that piece of code, and we got it working, and everybody's happy. That's awesome. So. There's that. Um, we're still looking at a deadline for the big project I'm working on of, oh, uh, Saturday. So we'll see how that's going. I mean, we're, we're it's all the little fiddly bits we're putting in place now. Like the bulk of the work is now done. It's just fiddly things. And it's, you know, the, the time-consuming things that require a lot of work with other teams that we didn't need before – and so it's it's going to be that madcap dash to the last to the to the end and uh hopefully i uh, can sit down and and do some lessons learned about okay here's some things we can probably automate here's some things we can do better that sort of thing we did a lot of stuff uh there was a lot of like non work stuff this week too we did we did uh you know cats going to vet uh, we went out and uh, helped our buddy Shepherd pick up some new sheep. Yes. Which uh, is, you know, fun, but did involve Kevin physically wrangling sheep, which is not a thing he'd ever done Still before. Still a little sore. <laughs> Still a little sore. There's delightful photos on Twitter of Kevin carrying a sheep over his shoulders. And if you want to see all the photos of the sheep wrangling and whatnot, uh, that would be Shepherd's Patreon. Yes. Neolithic sheep on Twitter, so you can find it there. Yes. Uh, lots of, of stuff, just, you know, you cleaning chicken coop, getting a new chicken. We've adopted a new chicken. We have. Uh, 
you want to tell the saga of the chicken? So some friends of ours got turkeys, and the problem. Well, they keep turkey. They they raise turkeys. Like, right. Yeah. The the problem with turkeys is that day old turkeys don't know how to turkey. Chicken, day old chickens already sort of have this. Oh, I will. There is a food thing. I will peck at it. I will scratch the ground to find more. There is water. I will drink it. Turkeys apparently have none of this. And I should say this is domestic turkeys. It is right. very wild turkeys are probably better. Domestic turkeys, we have done a disservice to the bird. Oh, what a disservice. Um, anyway, so they got a baby chick who knew what to do to sort of show the turkeys what to do. And it worked great. Yeah. Yeah. And now, but now they have an extra chicken. And they don't keep chickens. They don't keep chickens. So. The day before we went to get the sheep, because uh, these also these friends of ours also had the transport cage for livestock. Yes, they delivered both the cage, which we put in the back of the truck, and the very small, little, fluffy chicken who I don't think is a Buff Orpington. I'm wondering, and um, and so she just got released into the wider chicken yard today after spending. A couple days in the uh, transitional coop, which is also where the buff, the the grown up buff Orpington likes to sleep often if she isn't wedged in next to large rooster. The uh, she is the color of a buff Orpington. She is floofy like one, but she has fluffy feet, which is more of a cochin thing, and we don't know. Or there's also the chance that she is a very small, very young Brahma. Or a bantam Brahma or, or a bantam something. Brahma, yeah. yeah. So this is going to be exciting because mystery chicken, apparently. And she's sweet. And Kevin, of course, is a sucker for any animal with a tragic backstory. And raised by turkeys is, of course, like literally our buddies with the turkeys were like, we have a chicken who is a solitary chicken who doesn't know how to chicken and was raised with turkeys. Who do we know who will take a chicken with a tragic backstory? <laughs> and so far, I don't think turkeys don't roost. Not the same way. Not the same way. So, I mean, they do in trees, but not quite like chickens. Yeah, so she, she hasn't been roosting. She wants to sleep on the ground. I've literally had to pick her up and put her in the nest box in the evenings. Tonight, her first night out of the coop by herself, she decided she was going to sleep on the ground near the edge of the fencing, which is like saying, dear raccoon, please come eat me. Yeah. So I moved her into the coop, much to the dismay, loud, loud dismay of one of the leg bars. But it all seems to be settled now. I'll take a peek on the cameras later. We uh, The big thing is that, you know, other chickens will be mean to a chicken they perceive as different. And so all the other chickens have to peck her so that she knows they are in charge. And they did that yesterday. And honestly, although she's, you know, she runs from the big chickens the way that smaller chickens always do, pretty much, uh, yeah. they aren't like, so far they have not, you know, knock on wood, tried to murder her or anything, which is the, the important thing. Only chicks they have tried to murder in the entire time we have had chickens have been roosters. Yes. They, they the hens do not like rooster chicks. No. Which no. is interesting. Lorge is just like, oh, look, it's a small thing, and walks on about his business. The hens are like, there is a dangerous man in here, and they will – I have seen them just uh, – you know, I, I had to rescue famously uh, Dotson, 
had all of his like neck feathers just pecked out and uh like to the point where he had kind of welts and was bleeding and so we had to keep him in until he healed and i thought it's very strange they they just hate on this one baby chick i have here and then rooster so that explains it so you know i i don't trust anyone who says this is a sex linked or these are only pull it hens or whatever <laughs> i will let the chickens <laughs> No, the sex link is generally pretty safe, but yes. but the uh, the pre-sexed chickens we uh, were we run about a thirty percent failure rate so far. Yeah, so. yeah, and life. Yeah, actually, yeah, we we've had uh, six, and two of them turned out to be roosters. Yeah, so there you go. And the hens knew way before we did. Oh, absolutely. So interesting thing, you know, uh, the hens are perceptive to things we don't notice, sometimes the way we don't notice things about ourselves. Interestingly, though? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, this was about to have your segue, wasn't it? It was, but you now you've interrupted me and sorry. ruined it. Uh, I was just saying, none of the hens had a problem with Ninja. No, well, Ninja was full-grown, and the moment Ninja could get out, Ninja left. Well, Ninja wasn't full-grown at all. Ninja was, well, a, was a little chick, was a chick, but much, yeah, but but bigger much than bigger. Much bigger, yeah. and also when... Uh, well, Ninja escaped. Ninja yeah. never was in the coop by himself. He was just like, nope, I'm going to live in the tree over here and all this. So that's, uh, you know, that's why they haven't had a problem with him because he's always been sort of on the other side of the fence, which is fine because that's not their space. And when he's inside the fence, he's always like... He's very polite. He's very polite. He doesn't hang around with really the, the ladies much. He likes to sleep on the other side of the fence from them, so he's very close, but there's like a barrier between them. So yeah, they're he all sort of in... snuggles next to them through the fence. Uh, yes, yes. During the day, at night, he sleeps in a tree outside it. Yes, he will go in. I've watched him go in, and he'll have some scratch, and he'll sort of like bop around. But they they haven't they don't see him so much as a threat. Yeah, I think because I don't know. He managed to survive past the initial "I'm gonna kill you" stage. It could also be. That none of these hens see him as a potential threat with Lorge hanging out. Uh, very possible. So, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, now that yeah. I've completely blown your segue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, it was it's, such a good segue, and then a, I got distracted. Yeah, no. Um, so, anyway. We have a great interview. It, it is a really good interview. About, about self-discovery. A little bit. I'm flattered. I'm so flattered. That she talked to us uh, this past week. Uh, my dear talk friend. To you. I was just in the other room, you know, uh, in well, the garden yeah. now. <laughs> I, I use us because I feel like it's it's talking to, to you and me and the listeners when I do these things. Yes. I'm just the facilitator. Right? I can see it. Yeah. Hold on. Let me find my sheet of paper because, you know, I think there might have been a couple trigger warnings or content warnings on All this right, one. All right. Let me uh, let me talk to the internet. Talk while to the you internet. Oh, that. yep. Nope. There it is. Talk. Okay. No, just the one. Okay. Just the one. So, uh, right. Knowing, knowing something before it's actually apparent to you uh, is a little bit of a theme in this next one. I will say that our content warning, uh, this does talk about uh, trans issues. Uh, I will enunciate trans issues, uh, but it's nothing too serious. But I figured I'd, I'd put it in there anyway. Well, it's it's sincere, but not uh, not right, right. Uh, traumatic, hopefully. But our our dear friend Jetzia Axelrod spoke to me, us, and 
I've been waiting like since we started talking about it, I guess late last year, middle of last year, something like that about both uh, Jadzia and her wife, JR coming over to be able to talk to both of them. And it's, it's just been thrilling. I'm trying not to use the word exciting because apparently I used it too much last week. You used it too much last week? Oh yeah. Like someone said it was exciting. Or you, uh, four you... times in a sentence. <laughs> overused. So it's okay. You get to be excited. Own your excitement. Damn I, it. I do. I'm just trying to expand my vocabulary. Yes. yes. And so it's maybe really I should be cool. It's, it's a great interview. And I was again, flattered that both JR and Zedzia would open up to me the way they did. And I'm going to share that with you right after this. So last week, if I air everything in order, uh, we talked to J.R. Blackwell. The other half of this partnership, J.R.'s wife, uh, Jadzia Axelrod, is here with me. Hello. And we're going to talk about how she stays productive, I hope, uh, or and various other things. I mean, we spent, what, 20 minutes, I think, on nothing but bags last time. We have a lot to say, J.R. and I, about bags in general. Yes. We, we yeah. use a lot of bags in our life. Mm-hmm. We've We've destroyed many a bag. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have bag opinions. Yeah, and uh, I I'll was... I'll try not to cover any ground that she did. Well, we'll find out, yeah. Uh, and I was mentioning that I still have, like, I have storage containers of bags I don't use anymore upstairs. So I'm, I'm with you on that. So can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? And that can be both daytime and hobbies kinds of things. You know the drill. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I, my name is Jadzia Axelrod. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do a lot of things. I'm primarily a writer. Um, I used to do a podcast called The Voice of Free Planet X, which you were on. Uh, yeah, we had a great time recording a couple uh, crossover for Hidden Almanac. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's currently on hiatus. And the main reason it is on hiatus is because I have a small child, um, Wednesday, who is delightful. Yes. And uh, I also write other things. I write mm-hmm. a comic called, and draw a comic called Frankenstein Support Group for Misunderstood Monsters, which is put out by Quirk Books, and you can find that on the Quirk Books website. And I am also the author of the upcoming graphic novel from DC Comics, A Galaxy, The Prettiest Star, with art by Jess Taylor. And that will be out in 2021, so after, I'm assuming, this comes out. Uh, this should be, if I'm reading my calendar, people should be listening to this the last uh, episode in January. All right. So... so- it's yeah, time. You got time. Yeah, you got time to pre-order or what mm-hmm. have you. Um, so that's, that's I'm, a, I'm on down the road. I didn't know about the thing with DC Comics. That's I'm impressed. Oh, that's, that's awesome. 
Yeah, I've yeah. been I've been crowing about it, but clearly not enough. So let me crow it again. Yeah. <laughs> this is a book with DC Comics. Yeah. Uh, it's called Galaxy, The Prettiest Star. Uh, it does not star any characters you're thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is all I can say about that. But uh, there was actually a really nice write-up um, about projects that DC is doing mm-hmm. in the coming years. And they mentioned my book and they said a little bit about it but i don't remember exactly what they said so i'm gonna say nothing nothing yeah okay yeah we don't want to but look that up just yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, search yeah. for me and uh dc comics and you'll see it it's a mm-hmm. wonderful book it's a dream project i can say that it's yeah. something that i've it's amazing to work on it because it was a dream project for me now mm-hmm. as who i am in this 2019 that is the year yeah. we are almost done with 2020 when this comes out but yeah. it was a green project for me now it's a dream project for me as a teenager mm. and it's a dream project for me as like a nine-year-old to be writing um, in dc comics and playing yeah no that that's world. that's huge that's a huge thing so how do you keep yourself organized with all this going on i it's a struggle mm-hmm. i won't lie <laughs> it's a struggle um I have a lot of different methods, mm-hmm. but uh, I haven't found one that's like, this is my hard, fast one, because things change day to day. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of my writing when uh, Wednesday's napping. Two days a week, mm-hmm. my mother-in-law, mm-hmm. JR's mom, comes over, and she's a very lovely person, and she takes care of Wednesday mm-hmm. so I can get some serious writing done and some organizational stuff done. Uh, the main methods I use mm-hmm. are I use a Google Calendar a lot, and every and the Google Calendar has little deadlines marked on them, so I can see what's coming when um, at a glance, which is very easy, and it's a it's connected to Jr's Google Calendar, so I can also see yep. what she's up to and her deadlines, and that's been very handy. Um, I do like bullet journaling. Yeah. Uh, I know you have some issues with bullet journaling. I, I like it. I love it in its purest form. I see. Go and, on. And, and as a matter of fact, if you look here at the bookmark on my, my productivity I'm, alchemy I'm looking notebook here. here, yeah, has the oh. bullet journal key right on it because when this was my primary notebook, mm-hmm. I was using just plain pages and doing the bullet journal thing with it because it's – if you strip out all everything on like bullet journal Instagram <laughs> – and bullet journal Pinterest, and you go just straight to the pure method of here's a good way to keep your stuff organized, that it's a beautiful system. People tend to get wrapped up in the, I want to have a pretty bullet journal. Well, and I think if that helps you mm-hmm. stay organized, yeah. right? Like if you need the visual aspect in order to use it, then use it. Hi, Sergey. Don't, um, don't, don't help. One thing... <laughs> I like about them is my life is filled with to-do lists. Yeah. And it's nice to have to-do lists, to-do lists there and to move which ones over that need to be moved over. And that the thing that blew my mind about bullet journaling mm-hmm. was that you could move your yeah. to-do elements over to the next uh, day and or- the world wouldn't end. No. <laughs> it took it's- a load off my mind. Yeah. Uh, so I do that. The main thing that keeps me productive, though, honestly, mm-hmm. is uh, preparation. Ah, oh, yes. Because I have a limited amount of time mm-hmm. to do stuff. So everything needs to be set, and I can't waste time. Um, so 
I get my coffee. I sit mm-hmm. down. I've already have my music set up on whatever playlist for whatever mm-hmm. project I'm working on. Um, and I can just go right and sit down and do it and not have to like fiddle with things and get ready. Mm-hmm. And the coffee is really important. Like Wednesday mm-hmm. naps during the afternoon still. Right. And we're going to keep that going as long as we can. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, that one, yeah. And I can't have caffeine anymore with the medication that I'm on. Mm-hmm. So it's a decaf coffee. It mm-hmm. doesn't do anything beyond that. Um, What's the smell version of auditory? Well, yeah, no. It, 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 <laughs> but it's that thing, the smell and this olfactory. Like this olfactory. Yes. This olfactory signal mm-hmm. to be like, now it is working time. And that actually, as weird as that is, and as like airy fairy hoodoo as that <laughs> sounds, to do that does put me in the right headspace is like, now right. I'm going to work. And on times when I've had other drinks that don't mm-hmm. have that same aroma, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't work as well. And Coffee is the signal for working, and whether that's decaf, and I often don't even finish the cup. Uh, but it's the smell is a nice. Yeah. Now I'm ready to work. Yeah, I I, I start my day with coffee, and mm-hmm. it's it's the regular stuff. Um, and every so often you got the good stuff too. Well, uh, I've had coffee here. I know how good your brew is. No, it's it's I've I've changed things up because there's the. The stuff I was having, which mm-hmm. was the Death Wish, and I love the Death Wish Valhalla, but it's really expensive. Mm-hmm. And when I was unemployed, mm-hmm. I couldn't justify that expense. So found some equally good but less expensive options. Uh, still, I'm sure it's still the good stuff. Uh, yeah, or shade grown, organic, uh, reasonably locally produced. Uh, I think the current one's uh, produced in Charleston, South Carolina, if I'm not picking it up from the roaster in Chapel Hill. Um you know all the all the good stuff. No, it's small business, not Starbucks or, or mass produced or whatever. So yeah, it's still good, but it's not it's not kicking the teeth caffeine anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, somebody said, "Why would you drink decaf?" And I'm like, "Because I actually like the smell and taste of coffee." Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Coffee's good. Uh, yeah, and and they all look at me funny, and then especially since I'm drinking like black coffee, and they're like. You like the smell and the taste. I'm like, well, yeah, that's – why would I drink it if I didn't? And they're like, oh. So, yeah, um, I get it. I get it. Um, okay, so that actually drifts into, um, like, what systems and habits are valuable to you? And that cup of coffee, decaf oh, is it, – whether it's decaf or regular, decaf right now, is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having a space mm-hmm. is good. I know a lot of people who work from home, especially who have small children, don't have a space mm-hmm. because your whole house is given over to your child. And mm-hmm. that, that's the same way it is in our house. And my little office space is not immune to that because mm-hmm. right next to my desk is a little tiny desk <laughs> <laughs> so that Wednesday can sit there and draw when I'm sitting there and drawing. Right. Um, but it's it's still important to have that space, and mm-hmm. it's uh, my desk is right up against uh, a nice little corner of windows. Yeah, so I am not um, being punished by being in the corner, mm-hmm. but I'm also not looking out over my house and all the chores that need to be done. 
So I can turn mm-hmm. literally turn my back to the laundry and the dishes and everything and stare outside. Yeah, I- and that's a nice isolating visually and then mm-hmm. smell of coffee. So that sense is being also isolated. Yep. Got my muse again, also isolating. And it's kind of creating this little sensory womb that allows me to create. I like that phrase. That's great. Um, <laughs> and I have to do, and this is, uh, and I try to do something similar when I go to the coffee shop. I try to get mm-hmm. a window seat, mm-hmm. have my headphones in, got that thing. Because sometimes... Um, you need to get out of the house. Well, <laughs> and therein lies a tale. Uh, because I was at a... Um, a a thing that DC Comics held. Right. And they had one of their big name writers. I'm not going to say who, because this is not a um, positive story about them. (laughs) (laughs) But they were up on stage, Mm -hmm. and I was in the audience with a bunch of other new-to-DC writers. Mm -hmm. And he said, do you have any questions about working here? I was like, oh, I got one. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a parent Mm -hmm. of a baby. How do you do this? How do you write and also... Because I knew that he had children. How do you have children and also have this career? Um, and he gave a horrible answer. Because... In a, and I see this now. He gave the dad answer as uh, opposed yeah. to the mom, mom answer. answer. Yeah. And I realized this when Cami Garcia, mm-hmm. an amazing, wonderful, warm person, uh, also a very good writer, mm-hmm. Um she did uh, a great graphic novel about Raven, if anyone is interested in that. It is very good. Um, but she pulled me aside after this and was like, I heard your question. Mm-hmm. It's a very good question. He gave you the dad answer. <laughs> Let me give you <laughs> the mom answer. Right. <laughs> and is like, you need to get out of the house sometimes. She said, mm-hmm. if you go, to, doesn't matter where you go. You can go to the yep. library. You can go to a coffee shop. You can go to a museum, but you need to get out of the house in mm-hmm. order to get some stuff done. And you need to be okay getting out of the house and getting yes. that stuff done. And it's not something you have to do every day, but it is going to be something you have to do occasionally. And I took that advice. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, even if it's, I, I mean, I work from home. So there are days, especially this last week when school's not in, uh, that I did not leave the house. And it shows a little bit. Uh, but on a normal work day, yeah, there are two points in the day where I literally get out of the house and it's to take Jacob to school mm-hmm. and to bring him back. Uh, long story, no driver's license, blah, blah. Um, but just that stepping away from all of it really helps with the headspace. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's hard to focus mm-hmm. if you're thinking about everything you have to do in your own home. Um and I've tried to tell my friends who mm-hmm. work from home is like you need to get out and you need a space where you can ignore the rest of the house, and that's yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. That's hard. And I'm very fortunate that we have enough space in our house that I can take over the front foyer yeah. as my creative space, and that's nice. And it's got plenty of windows and light, which I need. Um, oh, it's it's a lovely house. So yeah, thank I, you. I, yeah, it's yeah. still the same one you visited. Yeah, <laughs> we have not left it. I obviously the last time you were here we haven't left this house. We've just rearranged some studio and and rooms. Still and amazing. Yeah. Um and of course, yeah, I, I take the window thing to heart. You notice my desk is positioned right next to the window in my office. I can look at my chickens. I can 
look at my front porch where the, when the chickens were completely free range, they would come up and hang out. So um, that was before the, the 2019 predator events, which we will not get into. Uh, everyone has already heard about that and probably tired of it. Um, anyway, um, so that's, yeah, no. Uh, and, and even when you're in that space, having a way to turn off the home, even if stuff, like even if it's look out the window and see the traffic going by, big help. Because uh, you'll notice to my left is the kitchen and laundry room. So I have to be able to just change that focus sometimes. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, I got dishes to do and, and dinner's got to be done. And yeah. oh, look, chickens. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not always successful. I'll say right. that. Yeah. Um, I there are days where like I'm just gonna I need to put this load in. Mm -hmm. I'll put the dishwasher going, put something in the slow cooker, and then nap time's over. And yeah, we're all done. And that's and those days are those days. Mm -hmm. And then there's some days where I can do all that and get some writing done. There's some days when I just say I'm not doing any of it and getting writing done. Yep. And what has helped me is kind of like uh, relaxing about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've had to take on less work than I did, less freelance work mm -hmm. uh, than I used to. Right. Uh, which is a, a bummer financially, but it means that I can hit the deadlines and get the work done and spend as much time as I can with my small child. Yes. Which is, which is at that age, it's important to spend time with your small child. Yes. Mm -hmm. I understand that completely. So through all of that, how do you decide what to do first on um, a given day? On a given day, like, well, I am very fortunate mm -hmm. in that most of the time I can only get one thing done. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a matter what to do first, but what to do today. Right. Um, and then it's usually what is due um, soonest, okay. which has the soonest deadline. Or if it's like something something big, like... Uh, the DC book, mm -hmm. um, a large project like that does take priority. Mm -hmm. And then I do the smaller stuff in between. So especially if I have a day where JR's mom comes over, then that, the novel gets primary and right. work on that. And then on a nap day, I might bang out a blog post or something like that. Yes. Um, all the social media stuff. Uh, <laughs> All the social media stuff. The quotes. quotes. Yeah. yeah. I like, I'm not, I don't know. I feel like I used to know how to use social media and now <laughs> I've, I've lost it. Uh, I, I post a lot of pictures now because I don't know what to say anymore. Yeah. I think for a while I was like, well, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm not a brief person. I need time. I need lots of words to kind of sit in things yeah. and fill it out. So that's why I have this newsletter and I haven't updated the newsletter either. So I just don't have a lot of time, I guess, is what it comes down to. Yeah, and, well, the, and the stuff that pays money mm, gets the... Gets, oh yeah, highest priority. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I'll be honest, that's why I'm not... Except during holidays and weekends, I'm not on Twitter bang, bang, bang the way I was. Now that I have a job again, I kind of important to be focused on that and yeah. then peek in like, oh, I need, a, I need to break away from work, but I have to, I'm waiting for somebody to respond on Slack or something. So, yeah, I'll just, I'll just go over here and look at Twitter while I wait. Yeah. That it's sort not, of thing. It's also changed. Yeah. Like, it used to be – it used to be 
not a global communication network. It used to be something that mm-hmm. we all kind of just were on and our yeah. friends were on. And now mm-hmm. it's like... Let's check the news on Twitter, which is probably the worst thing to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Absolutely. The worst way to get your news. So I think a lot, I think the fun has gone out of it a lot mm-hmm. for me. Um, I've been, I've been thinking about that. Yeah. And I, I this is every time I consider mm-hmm. just leaving everything, something happens that's like, oh, God, I guess I should keep it going. Yeah. Uh, stuff yeah. like that. And part of it is, here we tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fine. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Everyone, strap in. We're about to tangent. <laughs> it will uh, not be a Dino-level tangent, I don't right. think. Yeah. Um, as your listeners may not be aware, mm-hmm. I am a trans woman. Mm-hmm. And before I started transitioning, I would document my outfits because I've always been a bit of a clothes horse. Um, so I had that going on. And that was a main feature of my social media presence mm-hmm. was my Today's Style pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I started transitioning, I made the decision to keep that going, mm-hmm. even with <clears throat> everything that comes along with that. And that's not something every trans person does. Some people mm-hmm. want to wait until they are more confident with their presentation and look. Um, and that is fair. <laughs> I, I, I want to say, I, uh, having followed all of this and known you for years... Every single photo since that started, you've been happy. It's true. It's true. Right? All of the others, there was always sort of this serious look. And I think it's just wonderful how happy you are now as compared to, like, during that sort of shift time. And I think I think it's absolutely beautiful. Thank you, <laughs> um, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. But And that's been apparently um, a handful of trans people have... Mm-hmm come to me and said how inspiring that was oh, yeah. to have that complete documentation mm-hmm. of the diff it wasn't i don't want to say difficult because i've had it pretty easy as far yeah. as trans people's transition go i haven't mm-hmm. uh i did it um when i was pursuing freelance employment mm-hmm. so i didn't have to worry about job stuff um, right i'm um, in my late 30s, it was, say, not an early transition in that way. Yeah. Uh, but I had established everything in my life at that point. Mm-hmm. I had a wife. I had a house. All this stuff. So it yeah. was a lot of the things that people struggle with early in their transition, I didn't have to worry about. Right. Um, so it was just the struggle of transition itself. Mm-hmm. And like to, s- and it was, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's something that... Um, you have to work at and figure out, and it's very awkward. And a lot of people I know say, "As like, oh, I'm so glad there's no photos on the internet of my <laughs> early transition days." And I'm like, yeah, well, some of us have one for every single day. <laughs> there you go. And yeah. I think it's good. I think it's yeah. good to have those. Mm-hmm. I think very often in our culture we focus on end results and not journeys, mm-hmm. which is. Strange, because we're all on journeys, and we're all going places, and we so often define ourselves in our journey by a finish, someone who's finished or gone farther than that, rather than people who are on the same place. And this is Mm -hmm. something I remember um, back when I was really into physical fitness and actually had a personal trainer at one point because (laughs) I got it through my job. Uh, <laughs> so it was nice. It was a nice perk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, working for a university at the time that had mm-hmm. a beautiful gym and like you could get 
a mm-hmm. personal trainer for a little while. Um, which is why I look so jacked in some of those superhero costumes. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing he said is like you, your um, before picture, mm-hmm. it can be someone's after. Mm-hmm. And like you need to take into mind, like because I was being down on myself, and it's like you, you're not in bad shape right now, right? You know, you obviously there's room for improvement as there always is, but like don't don't be too hard up on yourself like this. And I, I think that's true. And I think a lot of people who are early in their transition mm-hmm. liked seeing someone who was open about the whole transformation yeah. and the awkwardness and all that. Mm-hmm. And am I embarrassed by some of those pictures now? A little bit. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing with my hair and all that kind of <laughs> thing. Uh, but mm. um, I still I still value those pictures, and mm-hmm. I think it's important to show them. And I would much rather show off early transition photos mm-hmm. and be like, this is where I came from, than pre-transition photos. Not that the pre-transition photos are bad or I'm embarrassed about them or I don't want people to see them. They're on the internet. You can find them easily. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of them, but, um, Mm -hmm. that idea of Mm -hmm. like that awkwardness is something that we skip over and why wouldn't we? Um, but it's good to see it. And so anyway, Mm -hmm. to bring this tangent back to where it started, a lot of people have told me because I posted that stuff, Mm -hmm. it gave them the strength to do their own transition to move forward. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been posting all this dumb stuff on social media, (laughs) a valueless display system. (laughs) So as a role model in certain (laughs) ways, I feel like I have to do this and I don't know if the social media has a chip in my brain or what, but every time I'm thinking about gotta go, can't, do this anymore mm. i get some message from someone saying oh you really inspired me to do the video mm. i guess i gotta keep doing this that was yeah that was um actually one of the things that helped get ursula motivated when she was finishing dragon breath was um and let's face it by book 11 she was <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe getting a little tired of writing these characters. It happens. Sure. Um, I mean, 11 books. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, just every so often, and to this day, we still get these, uh, my child didn't like reading and then I gave them your books. Uh, or, um, we have one who is my child is autistic and was having a very hard time reading. And then we found your books and now is just, a big reader and a fan of this style and thank you so much. And that's the sort of thing that makes you go, all right, I think I can do this for one more. Um, and then, you know, uh, uh, things didn't work out past hamster princess, but that's okay. Cause now we've got people writing and saying things like, thank you for writing Raven and reindeer, uh, or, uh, I'm still getting thank you notes for hidden almanac. Which is uh, astounding when you can do that sort of work, whether you don't think it's special, right? But that little that little hit of thank you, or you know, um, this really helped me. That helps you. It it really is a big motivator to keep doing what you're doing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to bring it back to the point of this podcast, mm-hmm. I will say that transitioning did help my productivity. I bet. I bet. Because uh, I was using a lot of brain power mm-hmm. um, to not be who I am. Mm-hmm. And I was a more prolific 
writer after transition than before. And I was not by any means a uh, a slow writer no. before. I just want to point that out. No. <laughs> There's a lot of episodes <laughs> of The Voice of Planet X to speak to this. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, so, but even, even mm-hmm. with that, after that, it really, it just freed up mm-hmm. a lot of brain space. So, if you're a creative person mm-hmm. and you think you might be trans, transitioning will help your productivity, I bet. I, I will, um... I will say also, uh, I want to say divorce helped, Oh, uh, my separation and divorce. And the reason is that, um, we both had expectations mm-hmm. and when you're trying to meet someone's expectations that are different from yours and you're not necessarily allowed to be who you want to be, uh, sometimes societal, sometimes because of you know, your partner or whatever, it is a big drain because you're spending so much time focusing on who they want you to be, not who you are. Um, And uh, again, much happier after you find that space to be able to be yourself. Yeah. Um, So, which is also, you know, uh, being myself involves all of the tattoos and the, you know, the stuff. So there's that. Um, I have been considering getting tattoos. Yeah, we can we can talk. Uh, I, I have um, I can tell you about locations and pain centers and how weird the body is wired. Oh, excellent! Because you have no idea how weirdly your body is wired until you start getting tattoos. Excellent. Um, and then going through that, since I think we just did it, were we? <laughs> uh, we were talking a little bit about yeah about the productivity stuff. So, and I think we just probably did it. What is the best advice or feedback you've been given or could give? Oh. All right. Well, that's yeah. that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Well, my go-to for this has always been way back when I was a little baby writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I went up to Neil Gaiman. He was a very warm, open person who mm-hmm. would do this thing where you went up to him and he would look into your soul and give you the appropriate advice. <laughs> <laughs> and I know this is true because he did it to me. Mm-hmm. He did it to Murr. Yeah. Uh, Murr has a great Neil Gaiman story. Um, and I was reading an interview years ago with Brian K. Vaughn, and he talked about oh, how, Brian, yeah, okay. how Neil get, did the same thing. Mm-hmm. So this is just what he does. I don't know if he does this anymore because we all get older and he's a different person now. But if he does, mm-hmm. take it, give it a shot. Could yeah. be worse. Uh, still a great writer. Oh, yeah. So what he did is he, I went up to him, got my book signed, and asked him if he had any advice uh, for a young writer. And he looked deep in my soul and told me what I needed to hear, <laughs> which was... Talk in your own voice. Yeah. Um, which was really helpful. And for a while, I I took that and did it. Because at that time, I was doing a lot of pastiches. Because mm-hmm. I was a little baby writer. Uh, and that's how you start. So no shame in that. Um, but it really kind of sent me on the weird path that I go walk now. Yeah. And I think it gained extra relevance um, post-transition. Mm-hmm. And finding my voice... Mm-hmm. Now and it's funny to look at the stuff that I've written before and the the stuff that I've really liked and the stuff that I really worked hard on and the stuff mm-hmm. that I consider like the big pieces of my various writing career is all about mm-hmm. being trans in various metaphors. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff about identity and gender, yeah, and secrets that people keep and all this stuff, and I didn't quite realize it. Or maybe I didn't want to realize it. We can look at it in many mm-hmm. different ways. Um, but 
uh, now that I am open about that and mm-hmm. I'm more comfortable talking in my own voice in a actual literal way. Yeah. Um, that's become very helpful once again. So mm-hmm. thank you, Neil. Um, and it keeps becoming more and more relevant. Um, and it's, I thought it stopped being relevant for a while and then mm. I transitioned and it became relevant. Again. And you, it turns out, Oh wait, it was relevant all along. Just that, except I was just looking at the wrong voice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> he may have seen more than I suspected the whole <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah. He'll do that. He he will. Um. So yeah. So that's the best. Probably the best. Um. Uh, creative advice I've ever been mm-hmm. given. Uh. This what I've been given. Oh, that, that's good. Mm-hmm. Is just to do, do your own. Mm-hmm. Because I I have a friend, uh, Chris Morse, who does an amazing podcast, or used to, that is also on Hias, because he mm-hmm. is also a parent now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll, Super it'll villain do that. corner. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's got two. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway. Well, yeah, two, you can still do man-to-man. Uh, when you hit three, then you have to work on a zone defense. Right, because you only and, have two arms. Right. And, yeah, it... it Turns into a whole other thing, yeah. But I gave him some advice a long time ago because mm-hmm. he he is a um, ac- he's a gentleman of size, mm-hmm. and that means that as an actor, which he, mm-hmm. he was and a very talented one at that, there's only so many roles, um, and he yeah. kept um, showing up to auditions, and there's like the one role <laughs> <laughs> for a heavy set dude, and. It's him and this other actor in Philly who's also uh, a heavy set dude, also very talented. Right. And he's like, so we're up for this again. Yeah. <laughs> like every audition. And he's like, I just don't have the shows I want to do. And mm-hmm. I said, well, you should just make your own. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's crazy. And I'm like, is it? <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. And we talked about some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, of things he liked and he's like you know the statement of randolph carter the hp lovecraft book, oh yeah is a monologue mm-hmm. like, it is. you could just do that as a one-person show and do it and he's like i could and then he looked into it and it's like oh oh i could yeah oh yeah <laughs> and yeah. then he did and mm-hmm. now of course he's writing his own things mm-hmm. he's performing in them he's doing amazing work he's a very talented writer in addition to being a director um and an actor and um i feel very proud because i was Mm -hmm. like you if you can't you don't need to wait for permission you don't need to wait for someone to give you a role or a part yeah or a thing you just need to do it um and that has served me well (laughs) Mm -hmm. just doing it and that has definitely served him well and i've given that advice to other people and the ones who have taken it have done very well, and the ones who have not taken it are still waiting for their... For the right thing. For the right thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I hope they find it, honestly. Yeah, uh, no. It's... But I think you... you mm-hmm. We are fortunate enough to live in the time mm-hmm. of the internet where a lot of the things you can do, you can just do. There's the Clay Shirky quote, which mm-hmm. is that publishing used to be an industry and now it's a button. Right. <laughs> And so, like, if you really want to just get your stuff out there, you can. Um, and if you want to play in various mediums, you can. And you don't need to um, 
you don't need all the infrastructure and the permission and the gatekeeping that you used to. You really needed oh, yeah. this stuff yeah. to do anything. Um, and now you don't. And I think that's really... Mm-hmm. To not take advantage of that is mm-hmm. kind of uh, um, silly. I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do I, I'm going to say this, uh, not to prevent people from doing things, but to say this is very helpful and will help you on your journey um, before you push the button. Uh, get an editor. Sure. You know, get a proofreader. Uh, it is very easy to publish things, but these are two particular skill sets you might not have and that will improve the quality of your work, whether you know it or not. I mean, editors yeah. are always great. Mm-hmm. Readers are always good. Yeah. Always good to have second pairs of eyes and yep. all that stuff. Beta readers. But also at the same time, if you are hesitant, mm-hmm. just do it. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to It's not yeah. gonna break the world if you have a typo. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to present high quality stuff? Of course. Yeah. But I know uh, people who are like so hung up on presenting high quality stuff that they never start. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, and no. That's, yeah. And I, that's uh, like I've. Go make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Be be wrong. Um, one but, thing, like but, yeah. But if you're worried about it not being perfect when it goes public, outsource some of that shit because you yeah. might not be able to make it perfect. But uh, KB Spangler, that's kind of her job sometimes. If or, you want, yeah. if you want to do that, mm-hmm. if that if what's keeping you back mm-hmm. is that I don't feel like this is. Need, it needs to be looked at by an editor. There's plenty of people who offer oh, that yeah. services. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you know someone who'd be mm-hmm. kind enough to look for it if mm-hmm. it's not too long. If it is long, there's plenty of people at reasonable rates to do it. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, just just do it. Like, mm-hmm. I, the worst that can happen is that you learn something. Yeah, and, uh, and if you want to start small and do... Uh, small oh, definitely stories. start small. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a huge <laughs> yeah. big fight. Yeah. Do not do anything big. Start small. Do many, 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 many small things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will learn more from doing lots of small things than yeah. you do from doing one big thing. Yeah, if you saw the number of small, short narratives, uh, some of, many of them incomplete, that uh, came before Digger, uh, or all of the short stories that were written before the first, before... Um, you know, black dogs or raven and reindeer or mm-hmm. twisted ones. You know, it's all you starts. You know, the starting small is a great thing because if you start small and you build towards it, you're not looking at this insurmountable thing like, oh, this is so much work, and oh, this is, um, yeah. If I had known six years ago that it would be six years and 900 episodes <laughs> we probably would have never started hidden almanac right because that's you look at it and that's really big we started small one or two one one up two up three episodes a week um actually we did one and then people were like we want more and so yeah. we did yeah because it was great but but you know um it, we, we started small on all of it the first kevin and ursley cheap was 15 minutes um and i think that's yeah. the way to do it yeah I think yeah. a lot of people get hung up on wanting to make their epic. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, speaking of advice, my first agent, mm-hmm. um, looking at my second book, which is trunked at the moment and <laughs> possibly will always be. It happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But her criticism of that, and I think this is very something that I, a trap I fall into and a lot of writers fall into, mm-hmm. is that there was too much in it. 
She's like, mm-hmm. you will write other books. You don't have to put everything in this book. Um, you can, you will write other stuff. Find the stuff in here that's very important for the story. Take out all the other stuff that you don't need and just write this book. Don't try to write your entire career in one epic novel. And that was very smart. Yeah. And uh, something I definitely needed to hear. And it's a trap I still struggle with. Mm-hmm. And it's something that uh, I'm thankful for good editors who <laughs> help me see when I'm trying to do that and mm-hmm. help guide me to where I'm going. Yeah. Why Why is this? This makes no sense in the terms of plot, but it's really neat. I've had to have this discussion with Ursula as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's hard. It's yeah, hard yeah. because, you know, you're, there's no rules. You're making it all up. Yeah. <laughs> so why not put all the stuff in there that you like? Put as much as you possibly can in. Oh, wait. Yeah. I, maybe I should save this for the next one. Because you're a writer, which means I've dropped that lid twice now. Uh, there will be a next one. It may not see the live today, but it doesn't matter. There will be a next one. I've never known a writer who just stops writing altogether. Right. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to leave that pen lid it's, on the ground. That's where the, it wants to be right now. It craves the floor. It craves the floor. Uh, it's, it, this is the second jump, so fine. It can stay down there until Sergey finds it and decides to knock it all around and make a whole bunch of noise. Or we wrap up this interview and I cap it and put it away. Um, all right. Do you want to talk about success or failure first? I Most people want to do failure first because that's the easy but sad one. No, let's talk about success. All right. How do you celebrate <laughs> your success? Yes. Do you celebrate your successes? And if so, how? Yeah. Well, I am always one, one of my life philosophies is that the easiest way to feel like a failure is to not define success. Okay. Um, so if you are trying to do something mm-hmm. and you don't know what the end goal is, don't know what the successful end goal is other than an amorphous, I'll be famous or whatever. Right, right. You're always going to feel like a failure. Uh, And that was a problem I had for the longest time. Mm. And so now I define success in very small ways. And this has (laughs) been great because it means I am achieving success constantly. And also I can prepare for it. Right. Um, So, for example, with this DC book, there's a lot writing on it. There's a lot of pressure. Right. Um, there's not a whole lot of trans authors in DC Comics. Yeah. I am one of three. <laughs> okay, so just a little pressure there. Just a, a little, little pressure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm fortunate in that uh, mm-hmm. two very talented women have come before me, mm-hmm. and that's great, and they have paved this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, there's a lot of pressure on the book for me to, for it to be a success because of that, and I want it to be a success mm-hmm. so that... Um, DC Comics and publishing at large mm-hmm. takes more risks as far as hiring more trans people. Right. And I think that would be great. So that's a huge weight. I can't think about that. <laughs> right. I cannot look at this book and say it only is a success if it's a financial success and they hire more trans people later. Right. That is madness. So I have to look at the things I can control. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's a success if I finish the script on deadline, mm-hmm. which I did. I'm there you go. Yeah. It is also going to be an amazing, wonderful success when I hold the book in my hand. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that's going to happen. They've spent too much money on it for it not to happen. <laughs> All the checks have cleared. They're going to print this thing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I... when I get that box, even mm-hmm. if it's just like, you know, advanced reader copy and I hold it in my hand, 
success. Mm-hmm. Like that's happened. If the sales do well, that'd be amazing. If the sales mm-hmm. don't do well, it doesn't matter because I had the success. I got it in on before deadline and I'm holding it in my hand. Those are the two successes for that book. That's how I defining that. Yep. And I will not feel like a failure when all said and done because I have that. I didn't have this attitude with my other book, The Battle of Blood and Ink, and I paid for it because mm-hmm. I was too concerned about what was going to happen after it came out. Uh, and I mm. and I didn't even have a goal. Like I was mm-hmm. like, when this comes out, right? And it's like has a review on the AV Club or whatever. <laughs> then I'm a success. Yeah, I didn't even have that. It was mm. just this amorphous wanting it to be praised or talked about or something. I didn't even have a, a definition, and that's why when it came out mm-hmm. and was met with the response that it was, which was. Small but positive. Yeah. yeah. Um, I couldn't enjoy it. And I felt like a failure. Right. Because I hadn't defined what success meant. And that's, uh, I mean, I think it's interesting too, because uh, um, we think of uh, Ursula's first children's book, Nurk, as a raving success. Mm-hmm. People loved it. It got rave reviews. Oh my God, it was her first published novel. She got to hold it in her hands. I was actually there the day the books arrived for her before they hit the stores, all that sort of thing. It didn't earn out for like, I want to say almost a decade. No, it can't have been almost a decade because it earned out, I guess like four or five years. Uh, it like It took forever to go to even a second printing and earn out. So... Uh, in a lot of ways, from a publishing standpoint, it was not a success. For Ursula, though, and and for me as sort of Ursula adjacent, it was an amazing success because you could walk into goddamn Barnes and Nobles <laughs> and there it was on the shelf, right? right? Um, and uh, you could hand it to a friend and, uh, oh my God, the audiobook, if you didn't hear the full cast audio version of NERC, uh, absolutely amazing. Um Still, you know, from a public as a, a, a publisher, they would have just gone, eh. Um, but and uh, but you know, we debugged it. Well, debugged. We we talked about what all those factors were and why Dragon Breath was so very different. And you know, from a publishing standpoint, and from all of the things that was very successful. But at that point. She, it was a different definition of success, right? Because right? that first one, the definition of success was, oh my God, it exists. Not... Um, and that's the best. I yeah. Think. I think that's the... Mm-hmm. I think... <laughs> I want to say... Toy, Toni Morrison said this. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said, like, the only thing that matters is the work. Right. And, like, what happens after the work is not something you can control. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't affect the work. The work is unchanged. Yep. Um no matter what people say after it's done. And so I'm try to hold on to that. Yes. <laughs> I'm not always successful, but I'm trying to. And definitely with Galaxy, which is such a big book, mm-hmm. um, to have it, to have that be the focus. And that like, I did my part, I did it well, and then I'm going to hold the book in my hand. That will be a success. Um, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm writing down that. The, the quote real quick because I'm gonna want I'm gonna want to look that one up and link it later. <laughs> I hope it's Tony Morrison. I'm gonna be so embarrassed if it's someone else. <laughs> uh we'll we'll fix it in post. I'll yeah. just come in and, and dub over you. Right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> there you go. I That'll will. be le- much less embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. 
I won't do that. We all know I won't do that. Um, <laughs> so, all right, that takes us to the other side of the, the coin. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deal with failure or when you miss a goal? Well, uh, we talked about this a little bit with the billet journal as I mm-hmm. just move it over to tomorrow and deal with the thing. Right. Um, but as far as larger stuff like that, I mean, we can bring up the trunked book, um, mm-hmm. Way of the Dodo. Which I worked on steadily for almost a decade, for a long time. Um, just draft after draft after draft, mm-hmm. trying to make this book work. And, uh, there came a point. It can't have been a decade. Maybe it was just five years. It was a long time though. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long time. And it came to a point where it's like to make this book happen, I'm going to have to do a lot more research and completely start from scratch. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Mm. I'm not going to do that. We have done all we can. Yep. Uh, maybe one day I will come mm-hmm. back to this with fresh eyes. I will come back with this excited to do more research. Because um, it takes place during the 1800s. And, and like, yeah. that is some depressing history oh, God. to delve into <laughs> if you're not doing like a gaslight romance where everything is fine and happy. And like, I wanted to do something very realistic. Mm-hmm. And it was like, gah. It was wearing the research alone was wearing me down, and I, then the writing of the book to try to translate this research into a world of fiction and to have it still be a fun read, and also all this other plot stuff that I was trying to put into it. It was just like I can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to work. I'm going to close the book on that, and I'm going to start something new, um, because it just won't work, and that could be considered a failure. You could see that as a failure. Yeah. I don't because no. I learned so much rewriting. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. But that, that as with most things of failure, if, if there's so much to learn from it. Yeah. Um, no, there are, there are two books. There's at least one book that every so often comes up from Ursula that um, went to the publisher, got went through the round of edits. It didn't work. Uh, she's got it back now being sent out to other publishers to see what they could do. I mean, just sort of this back and yeah. forth. Um, and a lot of it's what mattered is she wrote it, you know, and what she learned writing it uh, and editing it. Um, because I think a lot of the learning on that one was in the edits, not in the writing of the book. Yeah. And mm-hmm. especially like you see rock climbers. Yeah. Right. And maybe they like, do something amazing, an amazing chasm or they climb Everest or whatever. (laughs) None of them are like, man, I wasted so much time on like rock walls Mm, and smaller mountains. (laughs) I shouldn't have done that. I was like, I think in creative terms, we, we get again, so focused on the final result. We forget Mm -hmm. that like as human beings, we have to, um, grow we can't just skip to the end and that is a process and that takes Mm -hmm. time and that means building muscles and learning skills and especially with writing i mean there's a reason that really talented writers are middle-aged and older because you need that life experience Mm -hmm. and you need that writing experience of just doing it over and over again to get good yeah, I was. There was actually a, a thing going on uh, on Twitter earlier today between um, with uh, 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 Rebecca Roanhorse, I think, and talking about when her first book was published. Um, Scalzi talking about how he his first book wasn't published until he was in his mid thirties, um, and that is young. 
That's yeah, young, young by is, a lot of these standards. This yeah, this is something that was wild to me at the at a DC event mm-hmm. when I was there because I was with a bunch of writers who are far more uh, accomplished. Cami mm-hmm. Garcia is one of them. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> a bunch of others, and these are these are people with like New York Times bestsellers under mm-hmm. their belt and movies based on their books and like all this stuff, and they are all older than I am, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there, a woman in her. Uh, late thirties, the young punk in the group, <laughs> um, right? And that's why I'm brought in is mm. for this youthful energy that I bring <laughs> for being in my thirties. Yeah, uh, because oh. because that's that's writing. Yeah, and that, I think that's a lot of creative stuff. I mm-hmm. think there are people who are really talented and have that talent right off the bat in their. 20s and early 30s and that's possible and that's beautiful when that happens but that is not the majority that's not yeah and that's why those people are pointed at and set, held up as like wow how amazing because it's not common and like mm-hmm. you have to work really hard to get good and like i couldn't have written galaxy 10 years ago right i mean right. beyond the fact that uh i would never have written it because of that would have been pre-transition I just also wouldn't have the yeah. skills. Uh, yeah, and there's there's a lot to that, and and we see it. I, I've seen it a lot in um, uh, art discussions, right? Um, someone usually younger, usually excited, possibly just out of art school or whatever, is like, you know, how do I how do I become successful at this? How do I how do I you know. And the answer is draw a lot, right? Draw everything, and do more than just this one niche kind of art style you've been doing. And they always look very disappointed at this. Everybody wants a trick, and yeah, like I at that age, I wanted a trick, and that's yeah. what I was hoping Neil Gaiman would tell me. And yeah. he obviously didn't, and did tell me what I needed to hear, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think that's that's it. It's like we all wanna we all wanna skip to the end. Yep. We all wanna skip to the mm-hmm. end no matter what we're doing, whether we're writing or drawing or transitioning or anything. We all wanna get to the yeah. the end part where we've already done it and we're looking back and it's like, look how great this thing I've done. Yeah. And that was an attitude I had for so long as well. Mm-hmm. It's like I was constantly wanting to look back at things and be like, I was done with that and we did it and now we're here. And it's it's a punishing way to live. Like you're ruining yeah. your own life by focusing on that. And instead yeah. of being in the moment mm-hmm. and working on where you are now and making your successes incremental as opposed to huge. Got to work towards that one big thing and nothing matters. But the, yeah, no, you're going to torture yourself. To you're going to torture yourself. Yeah. But if you're like, I need to finish this thing today, this small thing, this mm-hmm. 400 word piece, I need to finish today. And then you do it and then you feel great. Yeah. You know, I need to I need to turn this in before deadline. That's my only success here. <laughs> it's my thing. If I do this, I will have succeeded. Yep. And like doing doing that um was great. Mm-hmm. Um So, yeah, I think it's Yeah. We just we all want to skip to the end and mm-hmm. you can't. Uh except for the person who fast forwarded this far cuz that's the end. <laughs> Um, and you missed out. Yeah, I know. 
Anyone who who skips the interview to go straight to the badge code that happens shortly after this, you guys miss all the good stuff. You miss all the good stuff. So, um, all right, where do we find your stuff? If you're ready to share. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Hut Central Hub is axelrod.online, um, which is the website. And that's got links to all my stuff. Um, it's got links to the podcast, got links to mm-hmm. the comics. It's got links to everything. It doesn't have a link to Galaxy because there is no place for Galaxy to live on the internet yet because the artist is still working. <laughs> Give them time, people. <laughs> I, who knows? By by the time this goes, this one should this one goes live in about a month. Um, <laughs> maybe, m- maybe if there be, is. Maybe there'll be a pre order link by if then. If there's a pre order link, it will be on axelrod.online. and I will so. make sure it's also in the main show notes. So, so there you we'll go. That. Yeah, know that if mm-hmm. if one shows up, I will put it up there immediately. I'm more than happy. <laughs> uh, on Twitter, I'm Planet X. On Instagram, I'm Planet X. I I usually go through social medias when they first pop out and just claim Planet X and <laughs> because that's my thing. That's yeah, that's my thing. Uh, it used to be my stage name uh, when I was in the Freak Show was the man from Planet X. So that's why I keep <laughs> that's, that. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so Planet X Twitter, Planet X mm-hmm. Instagram. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm on Facebook, but why would you want to go on Facebook? I yeah I. I the only reason I still have the account is for uh, I follow some bands and uh, they have you know private groups for fans and even then I'm really bad about only like checking once a month or something. I'm I'm on Facebook for the mom groups. That's that's the main reason. Yeah, and like there's nothing on the Facebook that's not going to be on the Twitter. So if you yeah. have to follow me somewhere, go there. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're already following me and Ursula. I know you are. <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the. Voice of Free Planet X, if you want to mm-hmm. listen to that, including the crossover with the Hidden Almanac, that's at planetx.libsyn.com. It keeps coming. Planet X, just every, if you just search for Planet X and mm-hmm. Axelrod, you will probably get everything yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so planetx.libsyn.com. I don't think there's anywhere else I am. I mean, website, Twitter, Instagram. There you go. Yeah. 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 What more do you need? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not on SoundCloud. No. That's a scam. <laughs> it's not it's not a scam it's not a I scam i don't trust it like right at any moment it could i know some podcasters use it and i feel like at any moment this could just disappear and there goes your show i i well that's why i like libsyn is because they're just like do you want to publish to this thing click here's how you set it up okay click but it all goes through libsyn right and and, the, and you're paying a service so if it disappears you can at least be like i paid for this give it back that's also why on my in my backups, there is every single episode of um, Productivity Alchemy. Um, I did have a, an accident with a backup where I had eaten the very oh, first no. episode of um, Hidden Almanac, but a fan had it archived, so I was able to retrieve it and put it back in place. But, you know, backups. Backups are important, man. I have been <laughs> podcasting so long. Mm-hmm. Because um, I, I started, I think, 2006. Yeah. Couple that, years, several years before ba- we did, I yeah. have backups that are literally burnt CDs. Yep. Um, it was a different time. Yeah, I know. Oh, no, no. I, I, I can only imagine if uh, if uh, uh, Murr still has backups of yeah. some of the old stuff, right? I bet they're also burnt CDs. They might um, be. I know. So. Zip, zip discs. Right? Oh, my God. So many people use zip discs. I still have some in the attic. 
I think I might even still have a drive in the attic, but... I wanted one, mm-hmm. and by the time I could afford one, we had already passed the technology onto something else. We had, we had just, I, uh, just about the time I stopped using them and got a, a CDRW was about the time that zip disks started having click of death problems. So it was like, whoo, talk about good timing. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so there's that. Uh, thank you. So much. Thank you. No. I mean, I am a fan of the show. So this is this is a success right here. There you go. Yeah, Finally, high five. High five. got go. on yeah. productivity alchemy. Got it. There you go. And uh, uh, but yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, and for the people at home, we will be right back after this. I want to thank both uh, J.R. Blackwell and Jedzia Axelrod for coming to visit and for hanging out and for talking to us. It was just fun and an amazing time. And I've already had a couple of people who were like, I-, I want to talk about bag friends the way <laughs> we did last week. So, yeah, no. We don't need to spin off another podcast. No, 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 we don't. No, we don't. Although um, there there has been the occasional um, rumor or, or chat in my email with Dino about doing a uh, Dino and Kevin talk shit <laughs> episode. Because we're, we're overdue. I haven't talked to Dino in a couple months. And rather than take up three weeks of productivity alchemy, not that I, so many of you don't love that, but kind of make it its own sort of special thing. Because it's kind of special when I get a chance to talk to Dino for three or four hours on end. I regret to inform you we're going to have to do a KUEC this coming weekend. I know. I know. I was just I was just noticing something about KUEC in my notebook as I was looking for what to call this week's badge code. Because sometimes I know in advance and sometimes I don't. This week's badge code, though, is Planet X, which is the name of one of Jedzia's productions, uh, one of Jedzia's universes that she's created. Had and a crossover episode with the Hidden Almanac. It did. It did. It did. It did. And we're... I, I have no words. I just stopped. <laughs> My brain just stopped. No, it was. it's always fun to hang out with them and... It's always fun to do these things. So, Planet X. Um, if you want to find out more about the badges, check them out under the badge how to on productivityalchemy.com, where you can find out how to collect them or not, if you're not that sort of person. And if you'd like to support Productivity Alchemy, mm-hmm. you can give us money. You can give Kevin you can. money yeah. at 
Kofi, you know, all the ways you can give us money are on the website. We're not going to go through uh, under under support. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you will if you support the Patreon. You will in fact get the new book free. Mm-hmm. I know a bunch of you tend to go pre-order it and forget that you get the book free. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, people! I'm trying to give you free books here. Uh, no, I, I love the support. I'm touched, but I always feel guilty. I'm not doing enough to earn the Patreon money. Cause I mean, we're just doing the podcasts and, and occasionally you get a free ebook. It's not like I'm giving you all kinds of exciting process stuff because, uh, what I learned was that 99% of you are like, Oh God, just please don't send me stuff. I'll forget to look at it. And, yeah. And so, you know, legit, I, I actually have a special folder in my email that all the Patreon and coffee notices I get go into. Yeah. Not the ones about the, the like when somebody gives a donation, uh, but more like uh, I support, uh, I think it's um, Mona Robot. Ah, yeah. Who is an Great incredible artist. artist. Um, I, like I gave her money once on coffee and then I became a patron. Mm-hmm. And so all the notices and things end up in that folder and I can just go through them at my leisure. That's also where all the new updates from KB Spangler, she's updating them or a couple of the bands I follow end up the ones who don't say, thank you for supporting me. Here's the link to the private Facebook group that you can join now and then do everything on Facebook. The The problem is that a lot of times people I support, it's. I am so glad they are doing stuff and able to do stuff, but I can't keep up with all of the stuff. Yeah, I'm just. I'm. Uh, I. I'm not doing it for stuff. I am doing it because I want them to continue being in the world and doing stuff. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and so. there, there are a couple. There are several who I continue to support, even though they haven't made a post or an update in a while, because that's what I'm doing. I want to support all their efforts, not just get special bonus stuff. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, if you like special bonus stuff, rock on with your bad self. Do it's it. just yeah. I, a lot of people I, I, I pulled back when we were doing the Patreon, a lot of people were like, I, no, I, it'll just be in my inbox for a long time. I'd rather just know you're making podcasts and that I can look at them sometimes. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Uh, so that's that. Uh, do we have any final parting thoughts? Well, the only other thing is that uh, it is the release day for this is the final day of my 2020 productivity series over on opensource.com. Oh, yes. And with any luck, by the time this episode goes live, all of the links to those will now will be in the articles section of productivityalchemy.com. So you find the links to the 19 days of productivity in 2019, 20 days of productivity in 2020, uh, presentations I've done, and uh, some of the other articles I wrote for opensource.com. They'll all be there. Fantastic. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, and then, you know, we're going to finish recording. It's Tuesday, so I'm going to go finish writing that particular article. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see what comes up between now and next week. I'm going to be honest, Internet. I'm going to go play a little game called Factory Town, which is like cute Factorio, and you set up little supply lines, and it's adorable. Honestly, after I'm done with the article, because I'm about two-thirds the way done, I'm probably going to hit, um, what is it, Human Resource Machine is the one. This is It is a puzzle game that is programming a little person to do a job. It's 
Very strange. And sometimes, like last night, I found myself breaking out pen and paper to try to figure out exactly how I was going to make this work with the options available to me. Like, I was mumbling, wandering around the house. It's great fun if that's your idea of fun. (laughs) (laughs) All righty then. All right, yep. So that's that. Uh, So have a good week, folks. And remember... Stay productive. And go to Twitter to see Kevin carrying around a sheep and looking brooding and manly. That too.